0: face the world with Cetaphil get your dermatologist recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse this is the house of Aths.
1: yeah most certainly is and a very warm welcome to you right across the SEN radio network all thanks to Chemist Warehouse great savings every day time to talk a little bit of athletics a lot going on Stu McSwain's going to join us shortly. We speak a lot about Stu. It was a frustrating year for him, so he'll give us a little perspective on how he feels heading to 2024. But uh, Les Stephenson or Ben Stephenson or wherever the bloody. Where are you tonight, Johnny Steph?
0: I am in Asia at the moment, uh, young Cameron, and looking forward to a lot of sports talk and especially in the world of athletics. But like I always throw in there, every time we talk, there's another major sporting event going on in Australia. Coming into spring carnival, kind of uh, but before you get there, you know it's Bathurst time. You know I love my cars, yes. looking forward to a big weekend in Bathurst, and uh, you know i got a need for speed. And um, yeah, but before we talk about Bathurst and all the sports, uh, we've got a big, uh, a big week ahead to catch up on athletics.
1: We have. Just quickly, are you going to be at Mount Panorama? Are you in Australia for it this weekend?
0: No, I'm not going to be. I'll be cheering on the boys from Western Sydney Motorsport uh, from my couch, and I'll be watching all the action, mate. And you know, to be honest, with you uh, you know—I like—I love watching motor racing on TV. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to, to be honest, you being here and uh, getting to pick up on uh, everything that's going on uh, out there, at Mount Panorama.
1: Now, just quickly, I know we're uh, uh, changing tack just a little bit, but you've—you've
0: you've driven the track before, have you, Johnny Steph? yeah it's 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 I, I i look i haven't raced every track in the world or not even near but um it's it's obvious why a lot of race car drivers around the world want to race around mount panorama and bathurst and um and having raced there before it's, it's truly spectacular it's just it's for a street circuit it's just unbelievable just the undulations how steep the mountain is up going up the mountain and um and just how long the straights are you know and and just how much you have to do to get a perfect lap there because it's you have you know you have 90-degree corners into flowing, big flowing, multiple corners, um, high-speed flowing, multiple corners across the top through Skyline, and then you're going straight into the S's, you know, after Skyline all to the elbow, again, almost a 90-degree corner, and then you got a long straight um, into the chase, um, which is is just crazy, you know, so... um, yeah, if, if those who don't follow motorsport or haven't watched too much of it, if there's an event you have to watch, it's definitely Bathurst. Tune in on the on the weekend and uh, watch Australia's very best and the world's best take on the mountain.
1: Hey, uh, You've been in Olympic finals. You've been in World Championship finals. You've been in Commonwealth Games finals. You've been in the best there is when it comes to athletics and major championships. But how do the nerves compare to Mount Panorama, which is the most famous I believe motor track in Australia, which I'm assuming you agree with, and happy to uh, discuss it otherwise, because you know more than I would. But how does it compare? What are the feelings, the nerves, the excitement, the the competitive juices? Are they are they comparable? Is
0: it comparable to an Olympic Games? Oh, I think if you're talking about it from a driver's perspective, yeah. compared to when I was sprinting. Yep. Uh, the sprint was ended, ended in 44 seconds and, you, and the way you have to get your emotions is you have to get your emotions to peak right before the gun was going to go and you, could only, you can hold them for 10, 20 or 40 seconds, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, where motor racing, it's it's kind of like, it's now the way how good these guys are and girls are now. It's, it's a long sprint, but you've got to kind of control your emotions and be very be quite calm behind the wheel and make sure it's about nailing every corner and every corner, if you pick up a 10th, after 16 corners, that's 1.6 seconds. So um, it, 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 that's how that's how sort of, you know, how controlled you have to be behind the wheel. So you have to learn to control your emotions and, um, and, and be able to execute lap after lap and, and be able to stay nice and consistently consistent with your, with your approach. So, um, that was, but, but as far as you know, preparing for a race, uh, working with engineers and mechanics, um, very similar to track and field. You got if you have a good team in motor racing, um, and you have a good plan, um, you're normally up the front. Well, just on that, so did you
1: have to change your mindset, the way you look at certain things? Like the mindsets are clearly different for driving a car at a speed for a longer time than what it was for you. So from a from a competitive point of view, did you have to change? different mindsets you speak about peaking your emotions and and everything right to 10 20 40 44 45 seconds over a one lap compared to obviously sitting in a car for a much longer time did, did, did you have to work on different things mentally
0: yeah definitely looking to jump in the car now i'm um, i'm trying to control my emotions slow everything down and the slower everything is for you um then it becomes a lot clearer whereas sprinting you want to heighten your senses and get as hyped as you possibly can um, and then be able to control that hype when you ride at the top of it. So you get the most out of yourself. So it's just two different approaches before you jump in the car or you get behind the start line um, that you need to take. So, um, but at the same time, the competitive spirit, um, the work ethic that you put before you jump in the car is no different to getting, yeah, getting okay. ready for a race. All
1: right. Hey, anything stand out for you? Stewie at McSwain, not far away. What did the world of athletics this week Appeal. Yeah, I think the
0: biggest one. I think Talk the big thing this week was definitely the World Athletics Road Champs. You know, out there mm-hmm. in Riga, in Latvia. I think it's a new concept, and um, by all, from all reports I heard, it was being sensational. You know, we saw a world record be broken, um, and you know, I, I think it's something that uh, is year to year to stay. Uh, um, I think it's a good way of bringing the sport to the people. Um, when you start, you know, taking it from a track and bring it into cities and allow people to see the world's best running right in front of them, um, where they're on the cobbles where they'd normally be shopping. I think that's pretty cool. So, um, uh, but again, you know, we can't take. I believe we can't take these world records too serious because I think if all the the true distance killers were there, uh, I think it'll be a very different uh, out, out, out outcome. But at the same time, you have to be in it to win it. Um, those that took part were able to walk away with um, with the spoils. But you know, I think now after the first trial of this, I think next year you'll see a lot of athletes are the plan for it. Um, but it's very hard to come off the back of world champs. It's a long season after back of world champs into Zurich, into Brussels, um, you're pretty much sort of tapping out. And then into the world final in Oregon, you're pretty much tapping out to mm. looking forward to having a break and getting ready for Olympics. The timing's the big thing for me. We, we,
1: we can't have it in 2025, uh, 24. It has to be 2025 and be a bit more of a central piece. It just, it's just – the timing is such a hard thing because you are right. You have a long season – you talk, You just spoke about it in a different sense, but peaking mentally, your mindset, competitive juices, get to a certain point, then you got to get up again, you got to get up again, then all of a sudden you're being sort of not bombarded, but you're getting an opportunity to be in something that is unique. And as cool as that is, it's very hard for athletes to be able to continually be able to get to a level, knowing that Parry is right around the corner. So I think the timing is crucial with this actual tournament, or at least with the with the event. What I will say, though, Johnny Stephan, you hit the nail on the head, taking it to the people. You, you You talk about the Olympics, you talk about the world championships, and you talk about marathon runs and races that go through the streets. Not only does it allow the athletes to run in a bit of a different city every single major championship, but it allows the people, many of them, who in sometimes tough financial times don't necessarily have the financial means to go within the stadium and see other events. So they are exposed and nice and close to the best athletes in the world over 42Ks and it gets them interested in track and field. And I do like this event doing exactly that with shorter
0: events. No, I couldn't agree more. And I'd love to see, I mean, we won the World Cross Country Championships um, in Bathurst last year and it was sensational. You know, the team at Athletics Australia and the LOC and Bathurst and everybody that was involved did a great job. I, I was quite pessimistic on how it was going to go. And um, and by all accounts, um, the Aussies loved it, the Aussie team loved it and the world loved it. So I'd love to see us have a, uh, a um, you know, get Lardy on the on the case and, and Athletics Australia on the case and get a world road running champs down Macquarie Street, past the Harbour Bridge, um, all the way, you know, finishing in the mm-hmm. in in uh, on the on the on the harbour bridge, you know what I mean? That'd be that'd be pretty awesome, you know, for a, for world road champs. And I think that's where they want to head with it, at world athletics. But like you said, timing is pivotal, and um, you know, I think this concept now has sort of proved itself. And uh, I think it'll be an interesting champs for years to come if done correctly. I think if you can bring it to the masses, like you said, uh, I think it has a little bit more appeal um, when you have to, when you can start to bring. Events to the public instead of asking them to come to the track.
1: John Stephenson, Cam Luke, we do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, right around the SEN Radio Network. Get involved, whoever you want. 04398-1116. A very quick break on the other side of it. A favorite of ours, Johnny Steph, and a favorite of everyone. a yeah. <laughs> superstar, the middle distance runner. Stu McSwain is next on the House of Athens.
0: Face the world with Cetaphil. Get your dermatologist-recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse. This is the House of Aths.
1: Most certainly is John Stephenson and Cam Luke right across the S N Radio Network. You can get involved. 043398 1116. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And we've got a very special guest, Johnny Stephan. I'll tell you this, straight off the bat, there is something that popped up in the ad break in a 30-second chat that automatically has me extremely interested. Stewie McSwain's the man I speak of, middle-distance superstar, joins us right now. Stewie, hello to you.
2: Hey, boys, thanks for having me on. Bright and early here in London, but yeah, happy to talk with you boys today.
1: Well, we've been (laughs) trying to get you on for a little while, but we understand you've had a million other things and we get that, but before we get into everything else... I need uh, to know what the hell just happened in a conversation. All I know is that you and Johnny Steph were yelling at each other and then there was something about a celebrity session. Can you please someone explain what the hell this means? Go on, I'll yeah,
2: let so, it, it bros. Go on, Stu. Hit, it.
0: hit it
2: with me. I think mean, it was in like 2015. I was just a young guy trying to make, make my ways and Johnny would come down, obviously past. It, he retired at that point and he'd come jump in a few reps. We'd, have like, we'd be doing mile reps and Johnny would jump in for about 200 metres of it. <laughs> and would fight you for your spot, try and box you out, try and put pressure on you, try and sit on you, and then out kick you just to get you ready for tactical races. I was just a young guy there, so I was just following along. But from that day on, it was known as the celebrity session, and Johnny would come down and try and teach us teach us young bucks a lesson or two um, hey, a couple of times a year.
0: Let me tell you this, Cam, and, it and that is all very, very true. And Stu, I remember look, uh, Nick Bedowie's coach. I remember Nick, this is a fact. Nick looked at me. And Stu, I remember looking at Stu going, man, you remind me of, uh, you know, when a baby giraffe is born when he was young <laughs> and he was like so tall. And he was like, he was so like, just like loose on his feet. And I said to Nick, I said, man, that dude reminds me of Bambi, man. And Nick was like, Hey, John, that kid's going to be the next best thing. And that's word for word. He told me, he goes, that kid's going to be the next best thing. And, um, and Stu used to come to training and I used to jump in these sessions uh, with him and Ryan Gregson and Jordy Williams and and all the fellas out there nicked out at Guaibley Oval. Uh, so it's just funny that Stu remembered this, man. But I like that's my... See, because Stu talks about you every time on the show. Um, sorry, Cam. Cam talks about you yep. still on the show every time. He, he's your biggest fan, Stu. I mean, Cam, you don't you don't even understand this, Stu. like that? Mm-hmm. Cam is like, that's my man. I text my boy, Stu. Stu's telling me he's about to drop this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So um hey, and still he, he, still he, took all
1: year to come on the show, Johnny Steph. I talked him up <laughs> at 20. We're in week 26. <laughs>
0: uh, but no, no. We, we we it's been interesting watching you throughout the year, and and it's great. You know, it's always cool for me when I know I've got it. Uh, 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 at least a more of a personal affiliation with the athletes, Stu. And I know every time we get to catch up when I'm at a championship. Hey, before we start, right? Hold on a second, because I don't care who's going to ask this question later on. Hold on a second, Stu. <laughs> I made a team with you, didn't I? No, I didn't. I didn't no make
1: a <laughs> None. So, Stu, just- uh, I, think I, I,
0: think, I think I just missed you. I think you're a few <laughs> years
2: out by the time I was like trying to make teams.
1: So, so this is an inside joke on the show, Johnny, Steph. At the start of our show, every time we had a guest, he's like, oh, yeah, we ran in the same Australian team together. And, like, Lyndon Hall's about 25 years younger than Johnny. And uh, she said, no. Nah. So and he continually thinks that he's been, because he's such a social butterfly and he's at all these major championships, whining and dining people, he, he feels that he's in teams with you. We haven't found anyone yet, uh, but maybe one day soon. Hey, what is your emotion? about this year, right now, end of the year, end of the season, Stu, what, what is your emotion? Because there were some ups and downs.
2: Yeah, obviously, in any end of the season, you kind of reflect on what, what took place. Um, I'm pretty happy that I was able to finish the season healthy. Um, yeah, and obviously, it was, there was a few ups and downs this year. I think any season, you're going to have that. But um, yeah, to get out the other side's healthy. Obviously, the, the big year for us is the, the Olympic years, Olympic cycle, so the Olympic cycles, so... Um, yeah, I'm just happy to be healthy and feel like I'm in a good spot to build in this off season, um, and then be ready to hopefully bring big force next year in
0: 2024. Hey, Stu, tell me something. Do you feel, um, you you know, you're you're a vet in the game now, man. You're no longer a young guy, a young kid trying to work his way. you established and nothing you did that two years ago. Do you do you understand or do you feel that now you're in a position in your career, like you just said, that it more becomes about injury maintenance? and getting to the event healthy because you've got all the skills now, you've got all the experience, and you know if you are healthy and you have a good training camp that you're, you're, you're a force to be reckoned with?
2: Yeah, I think definitely. I think in, in our sport, the, the biggest thing is staying healthy. I think uh, probably over the last two seasons, that's the thing I've battled with the most with I've battled illness or a few injuries. Um, compared to 2020 and 2021, I felt like I just rolled through, was healthy, could find good momentum. And I think our, our sport's all about momentum. If you can hit the first Diamond League in good form, it's easy to keep going. You're in a good spot. I think the level in the sport at the moment, especially on the worldwide stage, is just so good. If you're not at 100%, you're not going to close the gap. Um, So I think for me, it's just making sure I'm healthy. I'm close to 100% by the first Diamond League next year, and then can kind of roll that momentum leading in towards Paris.
0: I just want to say this to you. You know, I I... I never, I never aired this on the show. When I seen you struggle, I think maybe I talked to Cam off air about this. When I seen you at the beginning of the season, I think after Doha, you raced in Doha in the Middle East this year? Did you race Doha?
2: Yeah, so I started in Doha. Unfortunately, yeah, I, yeah, I was battling injuries there, and yeah. then. And I tried to go quickly again in Paris and obviously right, nothing.
0: Right. I when I saw Doha, I thought to myself, man, wow, this is going to be really tough for Stu. And then to see how you managed that, to see the fortitude you've you shown to get through Europe, which is the most difficult thing. It's easy to do in Australia around your mum and dad and your home and your physio and everything. When you go to Europe and you're fighting injury and then racing against the world's best, and to, I think you hit your straps around about Monaco, if, I, if I'm correct. It was a race around that period of time. And I'm know i I'm not sure it was around that period of time. And to see you recover and run as well as you did is, is a testament to you and hats off to you, Stu.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, Johnny. Thanks for, thanks for the kind words. But I think the hard thing most people don't realise is in Europe, you've got obviously commitments, races. You've, you've organised to race in them already. You, your back's against the wall with time. It's not like you've got an off-season where you've got two months to try and turn around fitness, get your body fit. In Europe, sometimes you've got two weeks to try and turn it around, get healthy, try and find some shape. And then obviously championships each year roll around fast. If, if you're not ready... It doesn't wait for you. The rest of the world's still going to be ready to go. So you kind of got to um, find a way. Um, I think it's nice when everything goes smoothly, but a lot of the years you're going to have those kind of ups and downs, and you just got to kind of yeah find a way, whatever way it is possible.
0: And I will say this before I pass you on the camel. So this is a testament to Nick as well nick bedo your coach as well because it takes a very special bond between coach and athlete to work through those periods cameron i can i can assure you of this man and you need to have that Mm -hmm. when you find yourself behind the eight ball when you when you find yourself what stewie's saying and in that position so you know shout out to nick and 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 the work he's done with you um for you guys because obviously if you don't have a bond with your coach and work through those trials and tribulations and it makes it extremely hard so i'm sure there's a lot of work that's going on between you two guys
2: yeah, definitely. I think, as you said, it kind of escalates when you're in Europe. Um, you're, you're, you're alone. You probably don't have the support. And it's brutal. If you're not running well, it can be such a tough sport. Um, you get getting your ass handed to you most weeks. So um, if, you don't have the team, if you don't have the team around you and you don't have the people to work out a plan to get you back running well, um, yeah, it can be a pretty lonely season out there.
1: Olympic Games, of course, in 2024. You've been to the Olympic Games previously, but you and I have this conversation a lot. Fifteen hundred or five thousand, Stu. What what is what is the idea going into two thousand and twenty-four? Do you have any clarity around what you are thinking you're going to be able to do? Are you going to try and do both again at a as a major championship? Will you focus on what where do you sit when it comes to the event?
2: Yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure with the timetable whether the double's possible, but I'll be focusing on trying to qualify for both. Um and then obviously the early season races will hopefully dictate what I think I can be competitive in. Obviously, I didn't run many 5Ks this year. I kind of spoke to more than the 1500. But I think there's definitely a lot of room in the 5K to improve. Um, but I think, yeah, whatever event I decide to go to, the world, the world level is just moved to a different level. So I'm going to have to up my game, whether it is the 1500 or the 5K to try and be yeah, right back in the mix again in Paris.
1: We, we, we spoke a lot about, and, and Johnny, Steph and I, as, as you probably know, we both love... Uh, middle distance racing and we, we love the tactical analysis of it and, I, and we love the way that uh, these events are run, running both the men's and women's like the the season in both the men's and women's was was red hot have you ever seen i know you you are a vet in some aspects but you relatively you know haven't been around at the highest level for for a decade or so so it's only been relatively short time have you ever seen the event have you ever seen the 1500 meters be this hot and this high caliber in your short time
2: yeah, I think especially the 1500 on the um, the men's and women's side, the depth is just crazy at the moment, I think. You're seeing so many guys run. I think like 335, 334 used to be a good time in the 1500 mm. now. I think there's probably 25 guys running 331 or better each year. Um, kind of The sport's changed, um, whether that's a lot of guys who from the 2020 season have started pushing paces. I think a lot of guys have caught up and realised that the rounds were going to be running three low 330s for three rounds of championships. So guys are getting better prepared they know speed's going to come less into it it's going to be more of an endurance yeah. test so i think um, yeah guys have adapted their training and got better um, so yeah i think it's a challenge for us to to try and keep improving where everyone else is as well because the the event doesn't wait for anyone so if you're not getting better everyone else is just going to jump ahead of you
0: Hey Stu what was your thoughts on the qualification structure um at World Championships this year with the, with the with the um throw from the heats all the way to the finals
2: Yeah i think any any championship the qualifying's hard. Um I don't think the it makes too much difference. Um how races are run now. They're always going to be pretty quick. Um I think in as we said the desk is crazy. I think the fifteen hundred heats never easy. The semis obviously brutal. The semi's obviously as hard as the final a lot of the time and then the final's um tough backing up three days and four uh three rounds in four days. And then yeah, as you mentioned the five case just as strong as well. So um yeah, I think these days there's no easy heats. There's no easy rounds. Um the a lot of good guys get knocked out in the first round. Um, so you've got to be on your A game every time you, you turn up for a heat or a semi or whatever, whatever's in the championship.
0: So tell me something. Um, when, I, when I was training with John Smith, I remember Mo was training with Alberto Salazar, the great Mo Farah was training with Alberto Salazar and he came down to, um, to Los Angeles and did a session with, with John Smith, um, a speed session. Uh, Is that something you guys talk about, you and Nick? And is that something you've done before or do or plan on doing before Olympics?
2: Yeah, I think definitely we'll do a lot of uh, race-specific stuff. Um, I kind of like using the lead-in races, so we're lucky that generally a few diamond League races leading up to championships where you can kind of test things out. Um, But I think the nice thing with the 1500 at the moment is you can kind of predict what the races are going to be run like, why the African guys are so strong, the Great Britain guys are so strong, and obviously Yakiminka Britson. Runs the same way every time. You've got to be ready to, yeah, be able to hopefully run 328 by the third round to to give yourself any chance to be right the mix medals.
1: How disappointed were you after the World Championships, Stu? Obviously, you, you touched on having to run fast and, and how deep it is, but it, it, it seemed to be a little maybe below par, in particular what the expectations are on an athlete like yourself. And on the disappointment on the back of it, how hard was it to pick yourself up and finish the, the season in a great way you did? Yeah,
2: I think it is tough. I think at any time you've performed in the past, there's expectation that you're going to be able to do it again. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going, you're going as fit as you can. You try and do the best prep you can. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes you don't get it right in the day. Obviously, I had a disappointing 1500 at World Champs. Um, and then obviously the 5K, taking a tumble in the heat wasn't great. I mm. kind of got a little bit banged up there. Um, and probably couldn't perform my best in the 5K final, unfortunately. But I think at the end of the day, you're going into races, um, just running 100% and seeing what happens. Um, And ultimately, that wasn't enough on the day. And I've got to, yeah, I've got to get better from that um, if I want to be right in the mix for medals, like we mentioned, leading into next year.
1: When you take a tumble in in anything, but in in particular in a major championship, what's the first thing that went through your mind?
2: Uh, So, I actually don't remember it. All I remember is hitting the deck and then yelling some at the guy. I got up and just started running. And then it's kind of just shock like my knee was sore one of my hips was sore but you kind of just like get to the finish line I like because you don't know if you're going to get put Mm. through so you you race them as hard as you can thinking can I get back on the pack can I get back in the top eight to try and try and qualify so it's yeah it's a weird feeling and obviously the crowd goes you hear the crowd go when there's a fall um especially there's a pretty big crowd in Budapest you hear them go oh and then you're you quickly get up and realize that was you that went down so yeah, it's a lot of shock, uh, but you just got to kind of soldier on and get on with it.
1: And so for people who, who may not be aware, you have to finish the race right and then put the protest in to be able to have a chance to be put through as an uh, unlucky qualifier?
2: Yeah, so you have to show uh, a level of effort. So you pretty much got to race it as if you're trying to run as fast as you can, no matter what happens or the fall. And then you find out in the post area or go straight to the referee and they'll decide whether they thought you if, – if they thought you are at fault, you're not getting put through, you might, you might even get your results DQ'd or like, uh, vice versa. If someone's hindered you and you had no chance, then you're, you're likely to get advanced based on that.
1: Stuart McSwain joins us on the House of Arts, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Let's go back to Tokyo 2020. is such a, a, a weird Olympics for a million different reasons, but it doesn't take away from the actual accomplishment of, of being there. How did you find the Olympic Games in Tokyo?
2: Yeah, obviously it was amazing. The facilities were amazing. Disappointed we didn't get crowd um, but yeah, I think that the build up to Olympics is just different to any other year. It's just such a long process. The the amount of media people back home who are invested in your performance compared to other years um, is so much bigger. Obviously there's more pressure, there's more expectation so yeah, it's just a huge build up for that Olympic cycle and you kind of yeah, you, you get to the village earlier than you normally would for any other championship. It's just a, such a different experience but um yeah, it's definitely a, a memory I won't forget. Um, I feel like you, you're not only running for yourself out there at Olympics, you've got your, your mates back home, your family. You, you're hearing from people you haven't heard from 10 years prior, reaching out, saying how they did this for you back in the day. You have people coming out of the woodwork to support you. So it is a cool feeling. And then obviously for us, it was COVID back in Australia. So I feel like there were so many people watching as well. So you just had that heightened bit of um, support as well. So, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, and obviously, I'm hoping it's similar in Paris, but um, it's going to be nice to have a, a live crowd there as well.
1: As Johnny did say earlier, I am one of your biggest fans, and I have seen you watch uh, run a lot of races, but I, I will say this. I, I think your final in Tokyo was the best race I've ever seen you run. How, how, do you, how do you look back on your actual run that night?
2: Yeah, I think I did everything right. I think at the end of the day, I ran the seventh fastest time ever in Olympic history mm-hmm. and only could finish seventh. So um i was in the right spot i was third at the bell where i wanted to be um i hung, hung tough as long as i can and just ran out of legs i think um i, w- I went into that race trying to win i thought standing on that start line why can't i be olympic champion in three and a half minutes um so that, that that was the goal going in um and i think once once you run a race where you know you gave it 110 percent, I, I found out i did deserve to be olympic champion that day but at least Giving it a crack, you find out that way. And then it was a long last 300 once I started getting flooded. Um, especially once I dropped out of third. I was kinda a little a little bit heartbroken while I was out there running. But um, yeah, I, I gave 110% that day and seventh was the best I could get. Um, so I can live with that. Um and yeah, just proud the way I was able to to execute, not only the the heat the semi, because I think we ran three thirty one in the semi as well, and then be able to back it up for another fast final. Um yeah, it was pretty A pretty cool experience. um, And some I'll be using leading into next year as well.
0: So, Stu, you said seventh fastest time in Olympic history. Where would you rate yourself with all the greats of Australian distance running? Where would you rate yourself? Now, No no time to be
1: shy now, (laughs) Stu. This is not not a humble Uh, show. I don't
0: don't really like to comment on
2: it. I prefer letting other (laughs) people do it. I think it's hard hard for me because I'm too young. I haven't been able to see the greats that we talk about, the Herb Elliott, the John Landy, the Ron class. I'm kind of relying on other people's, but you look at their record, their their records were phenomenal. They were winning global medals um, left, right and centre. Obviously, Herb barely lost the race. Um, and, yeah, it was an Olympic champion. So I think he's, he's obviously a long way ahead of a lot of, a lot of us modern guys. But, um, yeah, I'm just hoping to – so every time i put on that Australian jersey to try and do not only myself, my family and the, the public crowd.
1: I've often said, Johnny Steph, that he can't be the greatest Australian middle-distance runner until he actually holds the record around the tan in Melbourne. It is a record. It's alluded to, Stewie. Is it something you're going to focus off in the Australian summer?
2: I would love to, but I think just this year, I'm not sure whether I'll put it in. I think obviously the the most important thing is the tan's close, but the the Olympics next year is the big one, so um, I'm going to be doing... If it fits in, maybe. But I think, yeah, the big focus is just making sure I'm doing everything right um, in the months leading up to Paris next year.
0: Cameron, where would you rate Stewie, an Australian great distance running? I'd rate him Cameron? top ten. Ten? I'd rate him top ten. Yeah, look, I, I think you a hard marker. Oh, no, I'm a hard marker. I am a hard,
1: hard marker, I, I but we have seen some incredible missed middle distance athletes over the time, right? I, he's absolutely right there, and when he wins an Olympic medal, probably a gold next year in Paris, then we'll have this conversation he will be at the last lap stewie's unaware of what you and i are doing in paris johnny but knowing stewie as well as i do i think he'll appreciate being able to celebrate with us at the last lap but th- there is no doubt he's in the conversation as, as one of the greats we've seen and, and that major 100%. championship uh podium which is right around the corner is the big one uh you mentioned the australian summer street how does it look like when, when do you come back to australia how does it all look for you over the next couple of months
2: Yeah, so I'll head back from London next week um, and then, yeah, slowly start building back into training, um, just base training um, for the next month. Once I get home, just trying to build a little bit of of fitness back and trying to do a bit of maintenance work. And then it'll just be, yeah, all systems go. Back full training, um, getting ready. We'll have the Olympic trial um, early next year as well. So um, that's going to be good fun. Um, So it's just going to be trying to be ready for that. And then obviously the European season um, will lead into the Olympics as well, I think the Diamond League circuit just got released and I think there's four or five, uh, maybe three or four Diamond Leagues that I'll kind of target as lead-ups and obviously it'll be good to be able to test yourself against the guys you're going to be hopefully racing at the Olympics and work out where you are, what you need to do, how close you feel like you are to be able to compete with the best guys. So um, yeah, for me it's just, Making sure I'm building, I'm gaining momentum through that domestic season to make sure when I'm in Europe, I'm fit, I'm healthy, and I'm yeah,
1: ready to roll. Just on that, Stu, just to explain for some of our listeners, uh, you mentioned earlier about you know committing to certain races and having to run and, and all the rest of it and, and having those appearances. Uh, when, the, when the Diamond League schedule comes out right now, are you chatting to your coach, your manager? How does it all work out where they decide where best for you to go? And, and how much import do you actually have in where you actually run in some of those events?
2: Um, yeah, I think that the athlete has a lot. Um, obviously there's a lot that goes behind the scenes where that's the, your manager, your coach kind of pinpointing ones. Um, and they'll discussions will take place even months before events, um, confirming spots, um, confirming what events are on, whether they want you or you're, you're working hard to try and get an event because you think you need to be in that race. So yeah, there's a lot, lot behind the scenes. For us athletes, the easy part is we kind of just turn up on the start line and do our best on the day. But there's a lot going in leading up with the coach manager trying to trying to sort the schedule. Um, but we'll sit down to start of the year and work one out um, and think what races do we need? Who? What races would be good to match up against the best guys in the world to find out our current shape leading in? Um, and then obviously what we feel like we need to do to fine tune um, the fitness um, to be to be ready for the major championship next year.
1: Now you might not know this, Johnny Steph, but uh, it, it's interesting that Stu explains that what's happening now. But I have already organised the race for Stuart McSwain, and it happened over a, a bottle of red once, and he committed to me that his final race ever will be the 2032 marathon at the Brisbane Olympic Games. Stewie, we still got that uh, deal in place? It's
2: still there. As long as I can keep my body healthy, yep. I think I'll be, yeah, 30, 36 that year. So Young. it's not out of the realms of popular. Possibility, I think Elliot Kipchoge will be retired by 2032, yes. so I might actually have a chance in the marathon. So I'm um, to finish there, but obviously there's a, a lot of time in between, and I'm just hoping to get through next year first, and then we'll kind of we'll go from there.
1: Absolutely, I'll go yeah, win the medal next year. We're gonna so what we're gonna do, Johnny for trying to put together the last lap, which will be a nightclub for the Australian athletes to celebrate in Paris. Stewie, I assume you'll be interested in that once you've got the medal around your neck.
2: I sure will be. Um, hopefully, yeah, I'd love to have you guys there. As I mentioned, we, we missed having you boys there live. We missed having the crowds in, um, to- uh, in Tokyo. So having you guys will add another, another level to the experience. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to it.
1: Well, you know that Tokyo was the first major championship that Johnny Steph's missed since 1996. He's been every major championship, two as an athlete and 11 as a spectator, although he believes he still competes. So it'll be good to have him back on the team.
2: Don't worry, his absence was felt. I heard <laughs> from multiple people asking me where he was. Hey, so hey, hey, he was missed. Was, <laughs>
1: have you still got that Luca? Have you still, go go that Luka was Dantidge, was you still got that Luca You still got that Luca selfie with you and him as your uh, your screensaver on your phone?
2: I've still got it. Yeah, I'm hoping he still remembers me. Um, oh, he so he either comes out to Australia or. Um, I see him at the next Olympics. I'm hoping he remembers me because he was, um, yeah, he was a class guy and was, was definitely up for a, a long chat that day.
1: Hey, Stewie, love you as always, mate. Thank you for jumping in. Uh, great end to the season. Me, I know it got a bit frustrating at times, but it has set you up perfectly for 2024. Mate, we'll see you back in Australia. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, boys. The Chemist Warehouse is the house of ass. Quick break. Plenty more with Johnny Steph and Cam Luke next. It most certainly is. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse, 04... Double three ninety eight eleven sixteen 98, 11, 16 to get involved. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Johnny Stevenson and Cam Luke. Now, I do have to say that I bumped into our man Mario from Chemist Warehouse twice. Twice over the weekend, Johnny Steph. Once was at the, uh, the basketball and the other one was at the mm-hmm. AFL Grand Final. And he has put his foot down. I'm not mm-hmm. going. I'm not going to Berlin. Marathon? Where are you going? Tokyo. Now it's gonna be a little tougher. Oh, well,
0: what how how how? Tokyo New York.
1: Tokyo in March, I think it is. He goes, You do Tokyo. And I said, Look, I am at the Super Bowl and then I'm in the entire month in the States. It's gonna it's gonna make training a little tricky, but he was able to convince me, so it is not a hundred percent, but it's a lot closer than it would have been maybe seven days ago. Johnny. All
0: I all I care about was my name mentioned anywhere around actually participating. I'm happy for it, it to be mentioned. Oh, Johnny's come along. To give us moral support.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, that... yeah, yeah, it was. Your name was mentioned a couple of times. Uh, Hell,
0: in what capacity?
1: Uh, if Johnny doesn't do it, we'll find someone else to do the show. <laughs> uh, if Johnny doesn't run a marathon, we'll find someone else to do the show. really oh, feels no. like Johnny Steph's got a lack of commitment to this show, therefore the marathon, so, et cetera, et cetera, mate. So whatever you want to do, man, it's up to
0: you, I guess. Did <laughs> you press him on the last lap? You didn't, did you? You got scared. I, I, yeah, no, well, you got what, scared.
1: what happens? Firstly, when I bumped into him at the basketball, uh, it was only a short conversation, and it was dominated by the Tokyo Marathon, which made me very nervous, of course, for obvious reasons. And I won't lie, Johnny. I was refreshed when I bumped into him at the AFL Grand Final a little later on in the evening. So it wasn't, although, to be fair, it was probably the right time to bring it up. But I believe that we're going to a chemist Warehouse event in a couple of weeks. Yes, he went we down are you in town for
0: this? Yep, yeah, the supply event, which is held yep. once a year, which is awesome, always an awesome event to see everything in the world at Chemist Warehouse. They've really grown over the years, mate. And uh, it's awesome to see all the hard work everyone's doing there Elias, Mario, uh, the other Mario, to, to Routine, to Natasha, to everyone out there. It's, it's awesome. So looking forward to being there. And I did text him last night mm-hmm. and said, Make sure, uh, he said, You will be with the VIP he yep. called you, Cam Luke. And I said, Oh, Said, oh, really? Oh, that's that's awesome. So yep. I'm looking to uh, looking forward to uh, being in your presence, Mr. Well, Luke.
1: And that's where I believe the last lab conversation can really ramp up because we have got yeah. all the main power brokers, the the hierarchy of chemist wows in the same room. And I think that's a perfect time for that type of conversation. Couldn't agree more. All right, just quickly, we won't go too deep into it, but I said there's been a slight tweak in world athletics that uh, for unique events like distance events, like the 60 meters, mm. uh, it mm. doesn't have to be traditionally the 60 meters to break a world record or an Australian record or national record, wherever it might be around the world. You mm. had to run it to an uh, indoor or outdoor. That's how it used to be. No longer. So if you run a 60 meter national record inside, it counts. If you run it outside, it's counts as well so it's all sort of merged into one it means that uh, Matt Shervington who finished fourth in the 60 meter 1999 world championship final indoors that's now the Australian national 60 meter record so if there are men and women who run 60 meters outdoors or indoors it all is the same so it's no indoor outdoor anymore so a little tweak there Johnny
0: Steph yeah strange one I don't know if I completely agree with it simply because some most, some some indoor tracks have different underlay yeah. uh, different support structures so they're not they're not they're not placed on how do I put this on on firm ground they mm-hmm. normally sometimes they use wooden stilts underneath um to lift the stadium up indoor stadium up to meet the to meet the stand so and that sort of changes the bounce uh, impact of of the track and sometimes too much bounce is slow sometimes enough bounces fast so mm. that sort of changes the outcome compared to outdoor indoor but uh um, it is it is it, different indoors has it, never really affected Australians because we don't have an indoor track in the country and um it, we're, the, we're, we're in the southern hemisphere and our athlete is summer so yeah. our athletes is done in the summer where in America they sort of in the northern hemisphere they run athletics all year round so that's why indoors exist so um look I think to to to, to unite the world when it comes to standards I think it's 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 a good thing. That's the idea make, behind it. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Are you, did you run indoors? True.
1: I know we touched on this before. but You never ran indoors, did you?
0: No, because I made a firm decision, Cam, when I was that I wanted to win a championship. and yeah. indoors. I, I just I wasn't good enough to be able to peak twice a year. I didn't feel. I, I, I don't feel that's a, like we talked about last episode. I think it's a very hard proposition when you're trying to run against the best in the world. So I always chose Olympics and World Championships and Commonwealth, which was always at the end of the. Sort of in the August, September parts of the year, July, August, September time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. So, world indoors is normally sort of in March, sometimes mm. February, and sometimes April part of the year. So, um, yeah, I, I just chose to focus purely on outdoors and, and, and the championships.
1: Hey, we spoke a little bit about last week about changing coaches, and, and Fred Curley has done that. Does that, in that situation, do, do you. Like this is the time of years where athletes, or the time of year athletes take some time off, right? We just heard Stu McSwain. he's got a little downtime. He'll come back to Australia, then he'll he'll ramp up between two thousand and twenty four. But different coaches have different methods and ideas and and timings, right? Does, does it change the off season for someone like a Fred Curley changing a coach? Do we expect to see him earlier or later based on the different theory by his new coach?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I I reckon it'll be more a time of him learning. Um, him and his coach creating a relationship and understanding one another, I think that's going to be the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And that takes time, man, just understanding your coach, understanding his cues, understanding his moods, his temperament, and the coach understanding yours, understanding um, when is the right time to push you, when is the right time to back off you, and and um, and what your body likes and what your body reacts best to. And that, unfortunately, does take time. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me question the whole coaching move a year out from Olympic Games. Um, but Fred's such a talented athlete. Quincy Watts was a talented athlete and I think he's a great coach. Um they wouldn't have made the move without feeling 100% confident that this can work. Um Fred has come out and said it's going to work. I back Fred in. I think I think we'll still see him run very well cuz he's so talented and like I said again, Quincy Watts comes from the school of hard work, hard work. Yeah. Quincy Watts is a monster and he'll be indoctrinating that into Fred's thinking. Um, Fred's just got to stay healthy. Fred, he's a beast. Fred trains hard. He, um, Fred went to Texas A&M um, with Elaine Francik, was his coach back there, and they trained really hard. So Fred understands the theory of, of that it takes work. Um, and I'm very confident Fred will run well next year. It's just what event he'll run well in.
1: Yeah, I know the feeling. I obviously back into the session today after eight days off. So we'll see how we go. Hey, two yeah. Australian legends. <laughs> two Australian legends. And they didn't need to be. Inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame to be Hall of Fame legends in our eyes, and I think fans right around the nation. But Kurt Fernley and Nova Paris included into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame. Uh, it doesn't get much bigger than this, and this is remarkably huge achievement for two superstar athletes. Yeah, well, good for athletics and well done to them. Mm-hmm. Kurt Fernley is a star. Hey, we'll get to a break. We'll wrap it all up on the other side of this.
0: Face the world with Cetaphil. Get your dermatologist-recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse.
1: This is the House of Aths. Johnny, Steph, Cam, Luke, nearly time to get out of here. And you threw me under the bus a little earlier, Johnny, Steph, asking where I ranked Stewie McSwain when it comes to Australian <laughs> middle distance runners, right? So that's no, I th-
0: no, 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 no. That's no. a good question. No, no, no. I think it's great because yeah. I lived in America for 11 years mm-hmm. and I not they don't. They don't shy from having difficult no, conversations. No, and I think we live in this world where we got yeah. to make everyone feel good. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to be honest. I, I agree. Think it's good to tell somebody how you feel. And you, would, I love how you answered it. Yeah. Because I, I put, I put Stewie in, in my, my top six. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I might have gave him a little. Uh... I just, I just think major. We spoke about major boy. championships, no, right? No, he, is. Boy he absolutely is, but you, have to, you, have, you yep. have to
0: give him a little push and yep. just be like, "Yo, you're my boys." I agree. And I'm not going to favour you because you're my boys. Yep. I'm going to hit you with the ten. Ten is still good. Top yeah, ten, absolutely. Still in history of this country, yeah. it's still good. But I think, I think you can't only rate an athlete based upon medals, and you can't rate an athlete. Obviously, it's very hard when you start talking. We, me and my friends have this argument about boxing all the time. Was where does Floyd Mayweather rate? Mm-hmm amongst the greats and it's really really hard you have it in basketball where does LeBron rate mm-hmm. with, compared to Michael Jordan Mike Johnson it's really hard I, I, I think numbers don't lie to a certain extent I think if you want to argue holistically on who had the most impact and what it meant I think it's easy to have that conversation True. I think there's a lot of athletes ahead of Stu if we're talking about pure speed mm-hmm. we're talking about the 15 5k and the era that he's in and what he's doing and how he's doing it um, the, the, the man's a beast.
1: Do, do you have him above Craig Mottram? Ooh, See this is this, this 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 I can't this I just is... couldn't do
0: that to Craig. I, I, I'm I tell with you. you. I, I've I'll got tell you it. Why I couldn't do it to Craig? Tell me. I can't discount that bronze medal. I no. was there. Mm-hmm. My man gave it to them, Craig. Yeah. I can't. I. I it, it, you say I, what you want to say about Craig personally, no, but I'm talking about I, my man in athletics. I, I'm, I'm telling. i I'm got man. Craig.
1: Craig Mottram, he is still in front of Stuart McSwain only marginally. Only margin. Only margin. I have to agree with you. But I'm glad that you uh, You have that opinion towards, you know, putting people in a tough spot. So I'm going to end the show with this question to you. Go on. Who has a higher finishing position in their event in Paris in the Olympic Games? Jess Hull or Stewie McSwain? My days. Jess Hull. Done. There you go. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We're getting out of here. Hey, Johnny Steph, we'll do it again next week. Always.